deep down you know it's true. There's no perfect diet, but you keep trying to find the one. It's the same story every time. You find that expert, that guru that will change everything. So you buy their latest and greatest book or meal plan. You watch all their videos. You want to know everything about their routine. You listen to all their podcasts. And you just think, if you could just do exactly what they do to a T, you would be set. So you throw out all the food that's not in their plan. You buy all the food that is in their plan. And you are stoked because you dream about the possibilities of what it will be like if you could become as successful with it as they are. But soon enough, you find yourself spending more time preparing food, thinking about food, worrying about food, and your food fears start to affect your social life. Preparing meals starts to take away from time with your friends, Weekends become scary because you don't know if you can eat as perfectly as you do during the week. And in the end, you find yourself isolated and fearful and unworthy. And the cycle continues. Here's the problem with clean eating. It can become a drug. When it stresses you out more than it brings you joy, when you can no longer enjoy a meal out without checking the website beforehand to see what the cleanest options are, when you're constantly comparing your body to the body that you want and not feeling good enough, it's a drug. It becomes obsessive. And the same unhealthy pattern can happen with exercise. And this is just no surprise from today's diet-obsessed culture and body-obsessed culture. Most of us have, especially women, have fallen prey to believing that a certain amount of exercise is mandatory and even moral, right? We get so wrapped up to a certain way of eating being moral, and that's just not the case. So those words were not my own. They were me sprinkled into my guest today, Maddie Moon's words. But I could have written them myself because they mirror my story so much. And as you're going to see from today's episode with Maddie We are very, very similar, and though we are very unique at the same time, our lives are kind of parallel, and you'll hear that in today's episode. And if you resonated with anything that I just read, I want you to just pay attention, especially in today's episode with Maddie. This conversation is, is really awesome, and Again, if this sounds like you, if this sounds familiar, I would be raising my hand because it sounded very familiar to me. Check out her online program that she just launched. Basically, it's the online program I would have launched or would have created if she didn't do it for me. So she made my life really easy. But basically, it's how to heal your relationship with food and just be a chill, cool person and not obsessed with your diet and your weight and your way of being and just chill out around food and really become an intuitive eater once and for all. So the program's called Body Freedom and I'll of course put the link in the show notes but you can also just click on, if you're listening on your phone, if you just click on the album artwork, it will take you right to a live link on your phone and you can click through there whatever works for you. But if you can't find the link or whatever, just email me and I'll send it to you. But honestly, this program is, I'm obsessed with it. And I'm so proud of my friend Maddie 
we didn't actually talk about the program Body Freedom in the interview because Maddie was, she hadn't created it yet. She was just coaching people one-on-one. So now you get to, we recorded this a while back, and so now you get to actually see this program that she has created since. So yeah, on to the show. Enjoy Maddie, enjoy the show, and if you have any questions, as always, email me, and I'll talk to you guys really soon. Enjoy. Bye. Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebow, or use the hashtag wellnesswonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. I'm super psyched to have somebody who I'm really excited to be friends with. Madeline Moon is here in Wonderland, and She has an amazing podcast you may listen to, Mind Body Musings, she's the host of, and today she's in the hot seat with us, so I'm really psyched to be able to chat with her, but she's kind of been through the gamut of things with health and wellness and fitness and nutrition and and body image, and now she's coaching people through her experience and everything she's been through, as well as all the knowledge she has in fitness and nutrition, so I'm so psyched to to chat with her on all things, and we were chatting a little bit before the call that we're so similar um, in what we've been through, but in very, very different ways, and we're around the same age and have, have a lot of similar experience, so we really connect with each other, which I think will make for a really fascinating conversation. So she's she spent years training in fitness competitions and modeling and photo shoots and came to the conclusion that real satisfaction and self-worth is found in a completely different place, which resonates with my journey quite a bit, as most of you know. So we're, I'm going to let her kind of tell this story, but now she's really on this mission to shed light on this entire issue and and show all sorts of individuals how they can realize their their true potential is within them, much like we do here on the Wellness Wonderland podcast. So, Maddie, thank you so much for stopping by and hanging out with me. Hey, Katie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, like, super excited to be in Wonderland today. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. So I kind of gave a short version of your story, but why don't you – Give us, you know, a little bit more on that and introduce yourself and explain kind of how you went from vegetarian, vegan to fitness competitor, scary place to, you know, having food take over your life to where you are now and how how that's changed. Yeah, of course. So it's been a really long journey. And as you said, it did start with being a vegetarian. It was kind of like my gateway diet. And so in uh, high school, I became very ethically um, motivated and I wanted to help with like the slaughterhouse industry because I just couldn't stand the cruelty. So I became a vegetarian and that lasted for about a year. And then I started to notice that I had this weight like flying off and it was exhilarating to get comments from people saying like, oh my gosh, you look so amazing. How are you doing that? And 
And keep in mind, I was very slim to begin with. So I, I was like losing weight that I didn't, I shouldn't have been losing for health reasons. Like I just, I needed that body fat to be healthy, but it kept coming off because I was probably just eating less. It wasn't like meat was the secret ingredient to losing weight. I just was eating less food. And then I started to work out more and I got to the point where I would not be happy unless I went to the gym and I burnt at least a thousand calories just on the elliptical. So I would spend my afternoons after school in high school on the elliptical for like an hour and a half until that little um, machine read a thousand calories burned. So that's when I'd go home and I'd fuel up on like a white bread sandwich and some gold um, like crackers, some uh, um, goldfish crackers or whatever. And then like I, my goal was to just like eat less than I was, I was burning throughout the day. And this all started with just being very ethical. And then some, somewhere along the journey, like where did that go? It just completely disappeared. And, um, I went to college and then I became a vegan fast forward a little bit, like still trying to just keep the weight loss progression going and getting a little bit consumed and obsessed with the comments people were giving me about my weight. And then I was introduced into the bodybuilding industry and fitness modeling and what these women look like with lean abs and like big curvy round butts and the tans and the swimsuits and painted orange, you know, all the like everyone's just looking up to them like, wow, that's fitness. This is what fitness means. And hey, I want to be fit. So I guess if I want fitness, I need to look like this, right? So I, you know, I put away my tempeh and then I picked up some dry chicken breast and started chowing down on that for about four months. I mean, my first competition, I got a trainer and a coach and, you know, he, he wrote me a meal plan and like, we all know what meal plans are, right? So it's like something to give you some guidance of what to eat. But this one, when I say meal plan, I literally mean it was like six different foods and there were six meals I had every single day, not an option, no options, like no changes or anything, no fruit, no, no vegetables outside of broccoli or asparagus. And I did that for four months and I missed my 21st birthday. Like, you know, my coach was telling me how I couldn't eat out because I'd ruined my chances of placing well in the competition that was still three months away. Mm, and so sad. totally like, obsessed with my figure and my body and every day I would just like raise up my shirt and see are my abs there they're coming in you know take a quick selfie and like post it on Instagram get all my compliments for the day and then you know carry on with my day being miserable sad alone depressed and bloated and it was like the same thing every single day and I just got super super down on myself and hard on myself just if I like I got down on myself for wanting a bite of food that wasn't on my plan and then soon enough my cravings disappeared altogether So then I started cultivating this feeling of self-righteousness and like, I don't have cravings. I'm what fitness is. Like I'm unhealthy, but no one really knows it because at least I look the part and I actually haven't shared this on a podcast before. It's just not coming to me, (laughs) but I actually had pneumonia during my first um, fitness competition and I still kept training. Like I was coughing and coughing and like sick and pneumonia and I was still doing two a day workouts and feeding my body almost nothing so I'm making this a long story but fast forwarding a little bit um you know two years of that pretty much two years of this extreme dieting and I found myself after my one of my other shows my fitness shows just staring up at the ceiling on my hotel bed after the competition thinking whoa 
this was not worth it. I have sacrificed two years of my life for this, for judges to tell me where my body ranks next to 30 other women. Why am I doing this to myself? Why am I telling other people online, this is what fitness means when I know deep down this is not fitness. This is not how you should live your life. So I made a decision to start implementing changes in my life and I knew it was not going to be easy and I knew that I wouldn't really necessarily be able to count on followers for this process because I was going against the grain and I was saying, you know what, I'm going to do what's healthy and I'm going to stop working out. You know, I'm going to do what's healthy and I'm going to start eating food that isn't clean. I'm going to go against the grain and I'm going to start doing what the rest of the world isn't saying to do because I know that's what's right for me right now. So I I moved. I I did get um, a precious, precious puppy who she completely changed my per- perception on a lot of different things. She gave me just a reason to smile every day. And I just did all the things that I could think of to do to increase my personal happiness and development. And today, here I am um, helping other women have the same process, whatever that process is for them. It's different for everyone. But my goal is to help people be able to find what healthy is to them and not just tell them, you know, listen to your body, works, do what works for you, because that's really freaking hard. Like, to figure out what works for you and, and what your body wants is really, really hard, especially when the rest of the world isn't up to date with you on that. So it's all about really your bio-individuality and just diving deep into what what fuels your soul, not fuels your body necessarily, but your soul. And then everything else starts to fall into place. So that's my story and my journey and how I got to where I am today. That's amazing. I want to pick up on a lot of those things, but the first thing... Um, I really would like to kind of go into a little bit, and I've heard you talk about this a little bit before, is it's very foreign to me, the whole fitness competition industry, because it was something that I was never really into, but all the people that I do know that have been into it come out of it very, it's a really scary thing to come out of, and um, I would love if you could talk a little bit about that industry and how it can be really damaging for people and it seems you know pretty you know a lot of times people want to be goal oriented for things but that judgment there's enough judgment going around on social media to to sign yourself up for more judgment I mean we get it just by going outside so um could you talk a little bit about your thoughts on that industry in general and and kind of how that relates to what you do now. Yeah, totally. So there are so many different areas that need covering in this particular topic and so many different angles. But one thing I would like to point out is just that people normally sign up for these shows to accomplish something that they never thought they could accomplish. It usually starts like that for everyone. You just want to do something you didn't know you could do. And that's your starting point. And then you start going at it and you start investing money in it. And then you start receiving the compliments and then you start getting followers. And then you start to see your body change. And that is when your your um, perspective on the competition does a 180. You started wanting to do that for yourself and then you end it thinking like it's all or nothing, this is it, or I'm a failure, I've got people watching me, 
I've made all of these sacrifices for this competition. I better do well. And then you become harsh on yourself and you forget to love yourself during the process because this kind of competition isn't about love for yourself. It's just not. And I'm not saying that my story is the same as everyone's story because it's true. We all have a very different story. And um, I, I would never say that this is how it is for everyone, but this is how it is for a lot of people and for most people. Um, and so it's not very surprising when you get through this competition and you're down on yourself and you're upset and you're sad because your idea of failing and succeeding has changed. You start thinking that you're a failure just because your body starts to rebound and put weight, weight back on after the competition. And it's not very obvious to you that that's what's healthy because everyone else, their compliments start to diminish. You start, you stop hearing, wow, you look so amazing. Um, you start to feel a little bit bad about your body. Like you become your body. You forget that you don't have a body and you start to think that you are your body. But that Preach. is so not the truth. Yeah, it's, it's so, and it's so hard for people who are going through this to realize that because the sad, cold, hard fact is that no one else is on board with this. Like most people in the fitness industry aren't saying what I'm saying right now today. They're not saying that like, it's okay to not be lean. You can still be healthy and fit. Most of them are saying like, this is what fitness looks like. And so once you achieve that body and you, you get down to 10% body fat, or in my case, 6.5% body fat, and then you watch yourself gain weight again, you start to think that you're also losing love or you're losing the possibility of that future with that body because it's more about the it's more than just the body. Like in your mind you create this idea thinking, once I have this body and I keep this body, mm-hmm. I maintain this body, then I also get all this abundance and life and I get love and I get um, appreciation and success and wealth and all these other things and in your head you're imagining that's what you get because that's what these fitness models and superstars are telling you and that's what they're selling they're selling an idea they're selling the belief that if you get this body you also get these other things so Mm -hmm. after these competitions being able to distance yourself from that idea is very 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 hard and I remember whenever I was going through this I was watching other people who were 30 pounds heavier than me living life loving life succeeding Eating different food every day, it blew my mind away. I couldn't understand, like, I couldn't even understand that you can have, you can have food whenever you're hungry. It's not just about a meal plan. It's not just at 7 a.m., 9 a.m., you know, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Like, that's all I knew. I didn't know I could have food outside those hours. I didn't know that I could choose my meals. And I certainly didn't know that I could trust myself with my food because if I started to trust myself, I'd probably get off track and eat a blueberry more or a gram of carbohydrates <laughs> more. And then like God knows what would happen. Like right. I'd lose everything. I'd lose my identity. I'd lose my loved ones, even though I didn't even have really anyone in my life because it kept pushing everyone away out of fear. Right. So I mean it's a it's a very psychologically taxing experiment and going into it is not nearly as bad as coming out of it. Coming out of it is the hard part. Like you actually have something to like work towards before the competition because you've built up in your idea in your mind like there's this competition coming that's gonna serve you so much and like you're gonna get everything out of life and then once it's over that that's when you realize 
nothing came from it. Like no long lasting satisfaction or satiation or clarity about your life and your purpose. It's, it's very confusing. And I want to save every single soul that I possibly can from going through that experiment. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. I mean, I want to talk a bit more about the compliments because I wasn't a fitness competitor, but I was super dogmatic about my diet. And, you know, I had the, the Mary Kay Olsen, you know, scary, skinny body. And I had the craziness around food just as much. You know, I think it's, you know, it's a slippery slope. And so many people fall down it, especially as our society moves more into health as this moral, that it's like you have to do it. And, And health is not a moral issue, right? It's not like you have to eat this certain way to to be a good person, right? Or have to eat clean. I mean, life is about pleasure. And I know for me, and I know most of the people listening know my story, but when I when I first started the blog, you know, I was just into inspiration. Like I loved reading blogs and I read design blogs and and fashion blogs and people that talked about being creative and making cupcakes and all sorts of things. And then I got really into wellness and like that was cool too. And I followed lots of wellness blogs and read lots of health and wellness stuff and that was cool too. But then when I was so dogmatic, I wouldn't even let myself do the things that I was into, right? And, and Madeline, this is something that that happened for for you too. You know, when we've we've talked about this before, it's like you – forget all these things that we're into, right? Everything else falls to the wayside, like your hobbies and, you know, wanting to write and wanting to do all sorts of things. Like, we just think that since those things aren't quite as tangible, you know, you can't say like, oh, I I won this, you know, with art, but like you can with a number on a scale or with a competition or with a yoga pose, right? It, it's not quite as tangible. And so that's why I think us perfectionists go to the fitness and the nutrition because at least we can quantify that. And society promotes it too. And And the scary thing is the compliments. Like I know for me in my own recovery, that's probably been like the hardest thing because it's a dopamine hit when someone says, oh my God, you're so skinny. You're so tiny. Like you're so tiny. Why the hell is that a compliment? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like that's so, it's such a weird thing, you know, but they'll say it on pictures like, oh, you're so tiny. Like, you know, it's just so, so silly. But um, when I was really sick, you know, and, and Maddie, you too, you know, when we were really sick with not not having good relationships, not having a period, not being able to do these things, the instead of people saying, you know, are you okay and, and can I help you, it was, you look so great. You really look great. What are you doing? What do you eat? What do you do to work out? People wanting to just do what I did, you know? And, you know, of course, for in my case at least, there were people worried and people concerned and I'm grateful for them. Thank you if you're listening. But – they were not the norm. The norm, the people who didn't really know me, it was, what are you doing? I want to do it too. I want to look like you. What do you eat? What do you do to work out? I would get those questions all the time. And 
Um, anyway, so I love your perspective on those compliments and kind of as you recover and as you discover more of what life's really about because it's not about the effing food, you know? It's not about your workouts or your food or any of it. Like, it just doesn't matter, you know? Like, our bodies aren't our art project, you know? Our life is. And if our life can be really beautiful, it doesn't really matter what what our body looks like, you know? So how do you handle not getting those dopamine hits of those compliments on your physical body anymore? That's such such a good question. And there's there's really two sides there's two sides here. And, and one of the first things that I always tell people to do is to make your own definitions and be confident in them. And to really understand, like sit down and meditate on what does it mean to be beautiful? What does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to be fit and happy? And then like have a good idea of what you want in your own life. And once you're really confident and you're really like secure in these beliefs, then you start speaking up about them. Because like I, I, I it really makes me um, frustrated that we can't rely on the rest of the world to be uh, on board with this with us because the media is not going to be selling that. They're never going to be like, oh my gosh, you're enough. Don't buy our products. We don't need to make any more money. Don't worry. Like, you're perfect as you are. Like, you're beautiful. No, they're going to want to try to sell you something that you don't currently have, first of all. And that's also really hard to maintain. So like me and you, Katie, we both understand that maintaining a body like that is not only like hard to get, but it's also very consuming and it cultivates obsessions and it's hard to maintain because your body naturally doesn't want to be that small. It wants to put on weight to save your life. And so when you keep trying to fight it and get smaller, it's just very hard to maintain that. So the media knows that to some degree. I don't think they want to actually hurt us, but I do believe that they're sending the wrong messages still. And so that's why it's up to us to really start to define what it means to be thriving, healthy, happy, like well-rounded. How do you want the rest of your life to go? And then speak up on that. Like, for example, when when you're talking about people and you're identifying them, like, see that girl over there, the girl that's like a little overweight, like maybe instead use a different kind of description. Or when you tell people like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful, actually maybe express your feelings about their energy or like you're very, you're very radiant, you're very like healthy. Even that word is still fine because healthy is a great thing. Like we all understand that healthy is, it, it is um, beneficial we're still kind of working out what it means for people and like trying to make a different kind of definition where there's some flexibility because it is kind of still like this is healthy and this is all healthy is. But basically most people in our society understand healthy as a positive beneficial thing. So saying you look healthy is great, but then like I'm kind of going on a tangent, but for people that are going through recovery, Katie, I completely understand that this can be a very difficult thing because like I work with people who come to me and say, Madeline, I'm putting on weight and I'm getting, they are getting compliments, but the compliments come out differently now. They're not coming out as, wow, you look great. Mm -hmm. What are you doing to lose weight? Now they come out as, you look healthy. Yeah, I was just going to say that. You know, and Uh then they're like, Oh, so I'm obviously putting on weight right, now. Right, right. Like I would, I, I still get it all the time. You know, people who haven't seen me in a while and remember how I, how I used to look, and they'll say, "Oh, you look so healthy." And I know what they're really saying is, "Oh, you've gained a lot of weight since I saw you the last time." Mm-hmm. And it, it is a good thing because I was in a scary place, but it's, 
it is a trigger for me sometimes where I immediately jump into, okay, no, it's good. This is good. I have to coach myself in that moment because it's, you know, it's it's a different thing. But anyways, I'm going to let you finish. But yeah. Yeah. I no, I'm glad you could share that experience. Like it's it's completely it's completely true and and I think one of the reasons why it is hard for us to hear that like you're putting on weight or whatever is because in the same way that we hear wow you look great you lost weight we also hear people say I feel fat and then the response is no you don't. So why are people saying no you don't? Why is fat a negative thing? It's exactly. neither negative nor positive. Yes. Just like skinny is neither negative nor positive. It is what it is and nothing more or less. And so the language around so many things needs to change. Like yeah. the way people, I was having this conversation with someone today and she was totally on board with what I was saying. And, you know, she said like, I'm a big girl, blah, 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 blah. And like anyone else sitting her, next to her might've been like, no, you're not. But like I, I caught myself cause I was like, that's fine. Like it mm-hmm. is fine to be a big girl. And we're so conditioned to respond with no you're not. Yeah. And and that like is a huge reason why even people going through recovery have a hard time hearing that because you know you just don't want to think that you're putting on weight because the way we respond to those things is negative. So yeah. changing the way we respond to people, you know, professing that they're they're larger, cool. Like that's totally cool. Like mm-hmm. if you're losing weight, you know, that's cool. If you've gained weight, that's cool as long as you have you know, balanced hormones, you feel good, you have energy, you're moving your body in a way you enjoy. It's all those other things that we never focus on. We don't talk about like, we talk about exercise, we don't talk about movement. We talk about diet, we don't really talk about nourishment, Mm -hmm. you know? It's Mm -hmm. like those things we need to focus on and change our language around so that we're all more confident in our bodies and we don't rely on these compliments to um, fuel ourselves. Yeah, yeah. It's and I, and I love that you and I are on the same page with health at every size. And health is not a weight. It's not a, a, it's not a certain look. It's, it's internal, right? It's, it's the mental state. I mean, you and I both had, you know, what society would look at and what would appear to be on an advertisement, a, quote, healthy body, but we were very, very, very unhealthy and even sick in our minds, in our personal lives, in our interactions with people, in our brain, right? So it's it's really interesting. And then there's, you know, weight has nothing to do with health. You know, my, my mentor, Isabel, explains it, and I think this is in Linda Bacon's book, Health at Every Size, but it's like if someone has a, a health condition that needs fixing, a lot of times even doctors in the medical system will tell them to lose weight to fix that issue. And that's almost like telling someone who, you know, has lung cancer to, um, you know, stop and like whiten their teeth, you know, like it's mm-hmm. not, it, it's not going to do anything for that specific issue, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting, interesting thing. It's like if someone needs to balance their blood sugar, it's not losing weight. It's it's balancing the blood sugar, right? It's it's a separate thing. And um, there's also, you know, there's this amazing blogger who I'm having on my show, Reagan Chastain, and she's like an iron woman athlete, and she's 300 pounds and amazing and so healthy, and that's perfect. And we mm-hmm. we have these 
it's just a warped ideal of beauty. And it's interesting that beauty only encompassed weight and size in the last hundred years. And it's always the thing that we idealize what's difficult to achieve and what takes money and effort to achieve. And in years past, 100 years ago, it was, and everyone knows this, it was a, a different type of body shape, a, a larger type of body shape that was revered because that was difficult to achieve. And now what takes money and time and effort is this fit body or this thin body. And that takes discipline and money to to be able to join the gyms and do the stuff and mm. go to the classes mm-hmm. and and so that becomes the thing that is difficult, and so then that, therefore, is revered. And it's just, you know, let's check ourselves and really see, like, what are our ideals here? Is it your body that you want to make all about your life? Because everything you focus on it is what you're going to give power to. And Maddie and I both have been in the situation where we give so much power to food and our body that – it becomes our obsession. It becomes our it becomes our God, right? And we're worshiping mm-hmm. it and we can't see through anything else. So it's mm-hmm. an yeah. interesting, interesting place to be. And um I'm just I'm grateful that we can connect on this so much because we've both been through it in, in our own ways. But um in relation to you changing and you going from where you were to where you are now what have been some of the biggest things that have been most helpful to you and how do you kind of what are some tools that you use to help other people now go through it as well yeah okay so let's see um one thing that i i started to do and has really stuck with me and i've i've mentioned it on a few podcasts and i'm trying to get everyone on board with this but um so you know like a pro con list Yeah. You know, it's like pro on the left and then con on the right. And then there's like the line underneath it and then the line in the middle. Well, I basically started to do that because I'm a list kind of girl. And whenever I was trying to like organize my thoughts of what needed to change and what needed to happen more, I decided to kind of make a list like that. But I called it feasting and fasting. So on the feasting side, I thought of all of the things non-nutrition, non-fitness related that I wanted to start feasting on, start doing. It it couldn't really have, I mean, it could, but I tried to focus on everything that was outside of food. And I love to cook, but even that, I needed to stop cooking so much because that was fueling my fire for thinking about food. So I really like challenged myself to think of what can I start doing that has nothing to do with this obsession I've had for the past seven years of my life. And I just started writing down things. And like some of them were like read more fiction and take more walks. Um, Reach out to people I admire. Like look for mentors. Um, The list kind of just went on and on. Um, Sleep in more. Like just give myself that break. Instead of going to the gym every single day and like waking up early, sleep in more. And then I had a nice little list of things that I could replace my obsessions with that I wrote down in the fast list. So then on the fasting side, I wrote down all the things that I really needed to starve myself from. And in my opinion, it's really hard to subtract things from your life without replacing them with something even better. So that's what that was the purpose of the feast section. So then the fast, it was all the things that were fitness and nutrition related that I needed to back up, back up from. So I had on there, like, um, reduce my, my gym time. Like I just needed to stop going so much. And actually one of the things that helped me the most, which is probably going to make a lot of your listeners just gasp right now, but I took 
a month off from all physical exercise. Like it was my first break for, I don't think I took a break like um, five years before that. So I took a whole month off and I did nothing but walk, which I had on the other list. And I just took walks and listened to a lot of podcasts that talked about this specifically. And um, also some things on there I wrote down, like don't hire another diet or meal plan coach because I was pretty much addicted to people's opinions on my diet. I, I kept asking people to help me with my diet and I, I'd ask this guy to like take a look at it and then this guy and then this guy and then I'd throw $50 at this one and then 100 at this one and none of those diets stuck because none of them were for me. They were for them and that was what they thought I should have and so I knew that to be mature enough I needed to make that decision to stop doing that so I wrote down no more of that and then the list just kind of kept going on like delete my fitness pal and calorie counting app and then one of them which is kind of a separate thing that I'd like to talk about but I did write it on this list was to have a social media purge and go through all the accounts that are making you feel any less than you really are any accounts that you you go to after you eat a meal to make yourself feel guilty because their meal's so much cleaner or better or whatever they're eating more than you and you're jealous at all the macros they're eating if there's anyone on Instagram that you go look at that doesn't make you feel as beautiful and, and unique and amazing as you are, take them off your account because it's going to serve you so much. And in our world, it's crazy that we're even having this conversation about like having to take off accounts, but that's that's the world we live in. We live in a lot of technology and that's one thing. And I think that Instagram is a hub for comparison. Mm -hmm. And if you're ready and you're committed to stopping the comparison trap, then get rid of those accounts and like even completely delete those, you know, Instagram uh, apps and your Facebook app and whatever. Just spend less time on your phone and your computer and more time outside um, walking. And so that's one thing that I really did. And then some things that, and, and like also keep in mind, I, I do want to say that for the feasting and fasting, this can be for anything. And like my journey was food and uh, fitness, but like for you or for anyone else, it could be something like work and like needing to yeah. balance your work life or your relationship life or drugs or alcohol, anything like that. Or like, a little bit of it all because yeah. I think as one addiction heals, you just, you pick up another one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is about cultivating balance and like creating a balance. And like for me, a list works and it's nice to see. And I always had that on my refrigerator like um, taped on there. So I would see it every day. I'd be reminded my friends would come over and be like, what the heck is that? And then I'd be like, oh, well, you know, feast and fast. Why not? Um, but another thing that I did that was specific to me, but I mean, I highly recommend it to anyone is if, if you live in a place that's no longer serving you and you know that you, there's something, there's probably somewhere better that is suited for you and for the direction you want to go in life, then go there. And like, I am lucky and I can't, say that is the story for everyone can just pick up and leave but if you can remember life is short life is very short and if you're committed to bettering yourself and you know wherever you live isn't doing that then take that leap and like pick up and move and go wherever it is that you think has a brighter and better future for you because I literally had like 48 hours of making a decision to move and I just did it <laughs> I just picked up and I moved a different state and one of the best decisions I've ever made because I know if I was still in the city I was in I would not have you know 
I would not have owned up to my purpose and I would still be hiding behind food fears and, you know, body obsessions and weight and all that stuff. And so moving was huge for me and, and just limiting out the stressors in life and not allowing myself to turn to things that um, make me feel safe and my coping me- mechanisms, like this, the scale, the food scale, like even weighing my food and like uh, weighing my body. And like I have not weighed myself on an actual scale in probably a year and a half, maybe two years. I, I have no earthly idea what my weight is and I could care Same. less because, yeah, it's like not important. And I don't want to put myself into a compromising position where I will like, because I know if I get on that, I'm either going to experience sadness or happiness. And both of those are just as dangerous as each other. Happiness is bad because you don't want your happiness to be, um, to rely on anything, especially your weight. And like, if you are happy when you see your weight, then that means there's automatically going to be an opposite feeling when you see a weight or a number you don't like. So even feeling happiness about a number is not healthy. So you know, getting rid of all the scales and the the calorie counting apps and even people in my life that were no longer serving me, people that always talk about like, what's what workout are you doing today? Blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't need to hear that. I don't need to feel like I need to have an accountability partner because I don't need an accountability partner. And everyone is like praising the fact of I have an accountability partner and like, we're keeping up with each other in our diets and checking in on each other every night to see if we ate our calories we needed to eat. And like, you don't need that. You need your intuition and that is it. Like your intuition can tell you it all. So yeah. <laughs> that was a lot that I just shoved no, in that, there. But that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Animals don't weigh themselves and, mm-hmm. you know, we we shouldn't either. And I think, you know, hopefully at some point in my recovery that number won't mean anything to me. But for now it's it's not something that I can I can see, you know? And I think Ideally, you know, it doesn't matter what it says. I'm still 100% in love with myself and my body exactly as it is just for for all it can do for for us. But I think, you know, something that that comes up for me a bit and I'd, I'd love for you to talk about too is the fact of like, okay, we both had the bodies. We've been at that ideal. And a lot of times people are like, well, were you happy there? And, you know, and I've, I've heard you talk about this too, and, and I agree that it's like, yeah, you know, I was. Like I did get that, that dopamine hit of like, oh, yeah, like my body is exactly how I want it to be. Like, you know, this in that moment feels good, which is scary even to say. However, it was only because of that fact, which is – Conditional. N- Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. I was like, please say it. Um, Yeah, it was conditional. And that type of love is is short-lived and bad and really unhealthy. And can you talk about that experience? Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, I think that when I – it's hard to, like, really think about it. And I I have have all the respect and love for my past – more than ever even now. Like yeah, I wouldn't take back a single moment. Cause like now that I look back, I think one of the reasons why, like the spiritual part of me thinks one of the reasons why I was happy during that time, as much as I don't like to say it, I was happy because I needed to have that journey. And so I believe that I believe that I, yeah, I was happy so that it would last a while 
and I could be where I am today talking about it because right. I wouldn't be I was, talking to you, you know? Yeah, it's introduced right. us to amazing people. And if we were like automatically unhappy, we would stop and then we would have started a different journey and then we'd be somewhere mm. else today. Well said. So, yeah. So it's true that, you know, everything that happens in your life, feel grateful for it because it is ultimately leading you up to your purpose and bringing you one step closer yes. to understanding why you're put on this earth. And that's one reason why I really thoroughly enjoyed that um, whole experience. But it was hard and it was tough. But so um, when I was happy during, I mean, it was it was so conditional. Just like my body, as the weight came off, the happiness that my 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 happiness was just so dependent on how I felt that day. Because like some days I'd feel lean and small, and I would be. Um, and then I would like post pictures, get the compliments and stuff, and feel great about myself. But the next day, say I ate like too many vegetables. And like I was bloated and my happiness button would be turned off just like so quickly and nothing could cheer me up. And that is conditional if I've ever even heard of it. Like food making me feel bloated and like obsessions yeah. and and at the time like I did, I was working on a relationship. I just, you know, this guy was kind of attracted to me, I think a lot for physical reasons. Um, he always said that he would still like me even if I had put on weight, but like would I like myself? No. At the time, I wouldn't because it was very dependent on my body. So having even a relationship was so, so hard when all, like, my happiness was just so flaky. And it was like, how am I feeling today? Am I feeling skinny? Am I feeling fit? Or am I feeling insecure? Because, mm -hmm. you know, you, you're, Isabel's your mentor, and I love her so much. But, you know, she said something one one time to me just said like what does feeling fat feel like it right. feels like insecurity yeah it's just insecurity so like the days that I would quote feel fat I was insecure because I had misplaced my security and as I started to put on weight and like get back to a normal size it was not like a walk in the park and it was not the easiest thing but what I had to do was find out where is unconditional respect for my body, where is it? Where does it lie? And that is more that more a feeling than anything. Just like insecurity is a feeling, and feeling of fat is a feeling, just a feeling. Being unconditionally happy with yourself is a feeling, and it comes on when you pay attention to the most important aspects of your life. Like, how is your relationships? Like, how are they? Are is it are they healthy? How is like your security in your job? Are you like doing the your purpose? Do you feel like your job is your purpose? And how is like even like sleep and like just feeding your body food that you love, all those things, when they start to come back into play, then your happiness becomes, um, it's not conditional anymore. It doesn't depend on how your body looks. Like there's no consequences. I could gain 15 pounds right now. There would not be an emotional consequence because I would still be, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. To some degree, I would be like, what, what just happened? But <laughs> like for the most part, like all the important things in life, like my values and my morals are now in the right place. And I understand what fuels me, what makes me thrive. And that's to me what unconditional like love for yourself really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, so well said. Thank you. And I think that it's an interesting experience. And, and like you said, you know, I'm not there yet either, but it's the path that I'm on. You know, mm -hmm. that level of self-love that you just described, that level of unconditional love for my body, 
but more so for the person who's in it, for the soul who's inside of it. And that, if you can get there, the body doesn't really matter. The conditions of your life don't really matter. The, you know, for me, it was like, for a long time, it was like, I felt like I didn't deserve to feel my feelings. I felt like I didn't deserve to be in relationships or have things in life because I wasn't thin enough or I wasn't, you know, smart enough or whatever it was. It was I didn't have the right hair, you know, like all of these things. It was like I just ruled out that weren't for me, you know. My nose is too big. I'm too, you know, I'm not smart enough. Like just all those things and and it's it's just Velcro, you know, it's just – conditioning we've picked up like velcro over the years and we just have to let it go little by little and and it's the path that that i'm on that we're on that most people listening to this are on hopefully um but it takes time and so for you and i'll speak for myself you know a lot of times it it still comes up i'll still like and it's so interesting you can feel fine in the morning but a weird look in the mirror or a comment or something and then you're taken out and now I you know I use my tools I come back and I'm like all right that's crazy or I'm distressed at work that's why I'm you know having a fat feeling which is really just any feeling of stress or insecurity or whatever since for us our go-to because we've been conditioned in that way is to make it about my body right um you know and and I'll have to use my tools to, to take myself out to take myself back in I guess but for you does that do you still have moments like that and when you do how do you work yourself out of them Yeah. Sorry. I definitely still have moments like that. Um, So for me, to be completely honest, I think the the moments become smaller and smaller because I am now speaking. I, I, I have taken upon the responsibility of speaking for every woman in my mind. Like my, I want so badly for fitness, the word fitness to be changed in mm-hmm. people's heads. I want them to understand what fitness is so badly that my body is just now a tool for me to get on these podcasts. It's now like, it's, it's so, it's such a gift to me to be able to, um, to use it, to go to conventions, to go spread my word and my message and to be like on this podcast right now. And like, I'm so grateful for my body to be able to just be a vehicle for getting to wherever I need to go to go talk about this. And like, for me, that is such a powerful feeling, knowing that I'm putting that responsibility on me. And yeah, I'm not going to reach every single woman, and I'm not going to change the definition of fitness for every single person on this earth, but I'm sure as hell going to try. And having a body to be able to do that with has made me so, so, so grateful, because if I wasn't born, then like a lot of people's lives, like they would never understand this, or maybe they wouldn't get the message that one day they decided to click on, you know, this podcast and listen. Maybe they wouldn't have heard it ever in their life and somehow just like kept walking by miserable in their own body and like chasing after perfection. And it's very powerful to be able to take on this responsibility. So mm-hmm. yeah, I do have moments and, and especially when life is stressful. Um, sometimes like the old the old habits will want to creep back in and I'll want to like go download a calorie counting app and like track my macros for the day it's like it's so funny because it, it it still comes back and normally now I kind of laugh at it because I'm just like oh my gosh like <laughs> that's so me like that's just such my my coping me- mechanism and it's to me where I am today it is harmless because I have got such a good grasp on it and sometimes I'm just like yeah okay it, it'll bring me some short-term 
comfort, but like, what really is that going to do for me? Do I really want to waste an hour going back and logging all my food back in? Or do I want to, do I want to write a really like awesome blog post and then like spread it to the world with my message? What can I do? What is more useful for my time counting these macros that are going to have absolutely no consequence to me or writing something powerful that can spread to someone in Japan that doesn't know this message? Like, what am I going to do? And so having kind of like those, those thoughts of like, what's a better use of my time? Um, am I, am I really experiencing body freedom? Like also, for example, like I just went to Kauai, um, for two weeks and it was, it was like definitely taking me out of my comfort zone because I, I was wearing a swimsuit the whole time and that's something I've never been comfortable for in my whole life. But I felt awesome and like I was with someone I was comfortable with and I was having fun and I was like just I just felt so much better. But but then by the end of the by the end of the trip, not competition, by the end of the trip, I was like um, ready to get back on my 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 normal food um, routine, like the stuff I like to eat, because like being in Kauai, you you know, on vacation, you kind of just got to eat out a lot and eat things you're not used to. And it was all wonderful and amazing. But then towards the end, I was like man, I'm really missing my, like, my turkey and my rice and all the stuff I'm used to just making at home. But it was, it was a moment where I was like, am I, am I being the person that I want other people to, to see? Mm-hmm. And am I being the example I want them to, to be able to see is, is real? Like, am I living up to body freedom? I keep preaching body freedom. Am I doing that right now? Am I, am I embracing freedom? Am I surrendering to my circumstances and just living it up and making the most of every moment? Or am I really obsessed? And like, am I, am I really going to let this moment be ruined? Because I'm not going to be in Kauai in, in a couple days, I'm going to be back in, in Colorado and I'm not going to be on the beach. So how do I want to, to experience this moment? I have a choice and right now I can make a choice. Do I experience body freedom or do I go the other route of like, you know, obsession and self-sabotage. So what is it going to be, Madeline? And then knowing that I have a choice makes it, I just feel so powerful because it's, I just take it back. I take back the power and food doesn't have power over me and my weight doesn't have power over me. I have, I have power because I have choices, because I have gratitude, because I have a purpose. And that's how I deal with these situations today. And the more the power grows and the more my the responsibility I put on myself, the more I, I can take charge of those moments with complete and utter um, like happiness. And just, you know, I'm just, I feel very fulfilled in those yeah. moments. Yeah, well said. Once again, we are so on the same page. And I, I agree completely. I mean, to be honest with you guys, the biggest motivation for me to get my shit together with my body and my body image and my weight and to just feel good about myself, the biggest motivation is my clients and the people I'm inspiring online and walking my talk. You know, I preach about body confidence and, you know, health at every size and all of this stuff. But if I'm hating my body and, and wishing it looked different and judging my food and judging myself and judging how my clothes fit and you know, really in my head about that, it's like, oh man, how can I tell other people to stop doing that? You know, it's like talking out of both sides of your mouth. So, you know, being in this industry and working, you know, feeling like we're these, you know, these leaders of 
doing something really radical, you know, because you and I and there's a handful of us that are talking about this. And actually, I think it's kind of shifting as health gets more prevalent. There's a lot of people who have had similar experiences to us, and then they're speaking out about it. It's actually becoming, you know, a whole nother area online. But it still, you know, pales in comparison to, you know, the camps of, of the people so dogmatic about their diets and so into their labels. And so, you know, walking our walk and, and using what we do for our, you know, job as a motivation is great. But do you have any other tips for people who maybe this isn't their, you know, using the motivation isn't necessarily their way to heal? You know, what would you tell someone if they, they have that thought as, as a way to heal it? I'll, for me, something, and I want to kind of hear what, what you use, but like for me, if I go into that place where, you know, just automatic, I start like thinking about what I ate that day and what I'm going to eat tomorrow or like counting calories by default or like what I, like without my permission, you know, or I'm um, thinking about how my pants fit or something. I'll just literally, I'll just be like, think of anything else. Like pink elephant, you know, like think of anything else. Like because it's just not a good use of my time. Just like you said, I could be thinking of something really productive. I could be changing the world or I could be thinking about how my pants fit, you know, it, which just really in the scheme of things isn't important. So what are some things that you kind of use or tell your clients to do in the moment when those thoughts do come up? So one thing that I do recommend for my clients to do is to do um, – this rubber band training technique where you wear a rubber band around your wrist, not like the ponytail kind, but the kind that you'd find around like vegetables at um, a store, like mm-hmm. a grocery store. Just like a color, like a purple one. And whenever you find yourself starting to think negatively about you bo- your body, you just snap it and you say snap out of it. And um, I don't really know all the ins and outs of the uh, emotional realm system and all those technical terms, but this helps you a lot just to get back in touch and be conscious about how often you're thinking poorly about your body. And like, it, it wouldn't be surprising if you stop, start doing this and you're snapping your wrists like 25, you know, 35, 50 times a day. And then you realize that's how often I'm talking negatively to myself. And like your thoughts are what you believe. What you say is what you believe just as much as what you think is what you believe. And so if you're just conscious about how you're talking to yourself, that's why you're so mean to yourself. It's because you're just thinking these thoughts all day long. And having just being more aware of um, you doing that helps a lot. Like just having this little rubber band. And you can be wearing this for like eight weeks, no joke. Like, I mean, it, it does help, but it takes time. It's not something you can just do in one day. So I really encourage people to do that. Um, another thing is um, I I do think, you know, you said like having motivation, like maybe people's motivation isn't really with ours, like our clients and, you know, the world. But I think there's a motivation somewhere for everyone. And they just have to be really, they have to be really ready and committed to dig deep and find out what it is. Because it might not be a person. I mean, it could be a daughter. It could be a, a mother. It could be a sister. It could be mm-hmm. anyone. But if your motivation isn't another person and you know that it's probably yourself, think about your future. You owe it to your future to put away your obsession so that you can really, really fulfill your life's mission. Because do you want to be 85 years old 
looking back on your life and thinking, like, do you, do you want to be there sitting in your rocking chair thinking, man, like, I wish I had, I, I did something with my life. Or when you die, what are people going to say at your funeral? Are they going to say, oh, Madeline Moon, like, she was really good at eating clean. Like, she was really good at working out two times a day. Or do you want people to say she did something really powerful that changed my life? Because you're never going to be able to reach someone else's life if you're stuck, if you can't get past your own dinner plate. If you cannot get past your dinner plate, you're not going to be able to reach other souls that need you. Because, listen, people need you. I don't care if you sit at home all day and you do, like, computer work there's someone beyond that computer that you're reaching with your computer that needs you everyone is needed in this world and that's a fearing a fearful thought it's kind of scary to think that we are needed and that's why a lot of people do hide behind food food rules because it's safe it's comforting it's within a tiny little box and they don't have to worry about messing up their life's purpose but trust me like right beyond that your kitchen right beyond your meal plan is something remarkable and unbelievable and I just want every male and female to know that and to be confident into that and to explore and to not be afraid to fail because we all fail we all mess up we all relapse we all have moments where we want to clean back to our our old thoughts and dogmatic rules about dieting and health but it's not the way of living life and you just need to find that motivation and just cling to it and remember it every single day and just imagine your life without those food rules and then that's a really great way to just go forward and live every day you know to to the fullest in a way I'm fist pumping over here I could not <laughs> agree more with everything that you said that is so well said you're so articulate I couldn't agree more and, yeah, beautifully said. So one of those things, you know, to, to be remembered for and, and you're, you know, that really this concept that we've been really preaching about this entire hour has been, you know, making your life your masterpiece, not your body. And with that, what, how have your relationships changed? All of your relationships, but, you know, particularly romantic relationships and how, how was that so difficult in all your relationships really but like how were they when you were in that dark place to coming out of it to now and how has that been important and and healing in your life oh my gosh that's such a good question um I, i would say they've done a 180 because i'm now giving myself permission to have relationships because before i was so scared to give myself permission because If you date, if you're romantic, you're going to have to make sacrifices. And one of those sacrifices a lot of times is is being rigid. And, like, I just thrived on my rigid plans. And, you know, I had every single day laid out. And the idea of having to go on a date with someone and to eat a a plate of sushi that I didn't know the calories in. And I, you know, from all the articles I read, they have this much of this in there and this much. And I, I couldn't plan my calories around that day. That was so scary that... I would obsess a month out, like no joke. I would obsess so much earlier um, than the date was actually planned. And that's embarrassing, but that's what I would do. And it just made dating so hard and miserable. And And so during all that time with, um, with my disordered eating, relationships were very hard uh, romantically, but also with even my parents because my parents were champs. They were so awesome. But 
you know, they wanted to talk about other things and I didn't, you know, I just wanted to talk about my body and I wanted to talk about my food and, you know, I kept wanting to talk about how much I love life and my food because I was so scared that they could see me through me. And so I always wanted to just talk about that stuff and put on this, you know, fake persona and hopefully they'll buy it and they'll believe it. But then it just became so overwhelming because that's all I talked about. So because you become so fearful of someone taking it mm -hmm. away. Like, oh, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it's because we've made it our our god, our idol, mm -hmm. you know, our identity, everything, yeah. our label, like yeah. it is us. And so when we feel threatened and we feel like part of our identity or or our whole identity in my case really is going to be taken away, then we want to block everyone out and at least annoy them to death because that's that was what I would do. And since then, oh man, like it just makes me smile and almost makes me want to cry because like my relationships like I say that ever since I moved to Colorado, my relationships have been better than they've ever been before. And I honestly don't think that's just a coincidence, and it's probably not just because it's Colorado. It's because I was ready to, I was ready to become myself. I wasn't ready to change. I was ready to finally unleash Madeline Moon and be myself and like Woo! live up to who I am. <laughs> and it has given me you know, it has given me relationships in return that I I never could have had if I was so obsessed on on my fear and feeding my fear and my relationship with my parents is it's always been great, but now it's just like it's awesome, it's fun, it's it's just exciting and like I love my parents so much and even my relationship with my sister, but then romantically, um, still single, but that's you know, that's because I, I haven't found the person for me. It's but it's not because I'm like not ready to date because I, I go on dates all the time and I'm eating out and I'm enjoying it and I'm learning about other souls and I'm experiencing other journeys and stories and I thoroughly love that and now that is so much more important to me than the meal on the plate that you know for our date or whatever and I'm no longer scared of the food I'm so intrigued of meeting other people and the potential of having a romantic relationship is awesome and I'm so excited for whenever that day comes but you know that is whenever it is so until then I'm just enjoying the the journey and the ride of meeting other people and living in the moment and enjoying these relationships that I can finally have and thrive in and like I, I have no fears I, I just love I love it I love people and I love life that's this is so amazing and we are basically twins i don't even need to come on your <laughs> podcast anymore oh, we yes, can just do. we can just air this episode and just pretend that it was you interviewing me basically <laughs> um no that was that was well said and beautiful um the other thing i want to touch on before the quick fire god this goes by so fast you're so good um Okay, so there's this new iPhone thing. I, I'm delaying downloading the stupid new software, but apparently you got the new iPhone 6, and someone said to you, oh, you got it for the fitness app. Can we just talk about how society is moralizing health in this way that it's on the iPhone and you can't even delete it? <laughs> and know. can you just – I'd love your thoughts on that and how – we can kind of combat these messages that are constantly coming at us all the time to be this one specific way with our eating and with our food that's really a lot of times devoid of pleasure and really very rigid. So um, how can we combat that? What are your thoughts on that? Just speak on that issue. 
Oh, such a good question. And like, that is so funny you brought that up because whenever they did say that, I forgot my response exactly, but I was just like, what? Like I have, honestly, I'm going to tell you the truth, Katie. I haven't even looked at it. I have not looked at the app. (laughs) Like I have no interest. I don't even really know what it does. But the fact that people assume that I got a phone because of a a health app that knows nothing about me is, it. It's hard to put into words, like, because it's not shocking because I understand people think that. Um, and, and it doesn't really upset me because people aren't really on board with, you know, this this new trend of moralizing, like, rigidity and, like, health. And and so I, I don't take it as offensive at all whatsoever. But I was, I was definitely just like, oh, no, you know, I, I've got my health understood. You know, I have this iPhone for um, the space. <laughs> like, I got it for the gigs. I just needed more room. Um but yeah, the fact that the rest of it, it is very difficult for people who are trying to get on board with with just eating whole foods. Like people are so back. Like my journey has come so far, and I've gone through like all the health and clean eating, and same with you. And like we're at a whole new level where we've gone all around in circles, and then we've pushed our way out. But we still have all the knowledge of health and fitness, and we understand what it means to like thrive in our nutrition and thrive with our movement. But for people who are starting from square one, this is a bad way to go because society is telling us like, if you want to be healthy, you need to be obsessed. And like even Fitbits, for example, like their recent commercial is so catchy and it's like very seductive and it makes fitness look like like fun and fitness is fun, of course, but it, that's not fitness. Like having to have a band around your wrist is not fitness and telling having to you track if you're it. good or bad. Exactly. And like, like there, there are, yeah. And there are apps that'll actually like, you can have an app tell you, um, to remind you at the end of the day, like, tsk, 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 like you didn't do this and this and this. Yeah. And like, you, you can have like an app tell you that, like basically there's some that even, guilty. I think, I think I heard there's this one app that like will take money from your account and like, you know, I think it actually, like, donates it to something nice. But but still, you know, using that motivation <laughs> if you don't go to the gym yeah. or something, you know. Punishment. Or, or, it like, I think it might even, like, send it to a friend, you know, so you, like, have it with each other. And if you don't do it, they get the money and whatever, you know. And smart idea, but really mean. <laughs> Punishment and reward and that it's training you in the same way that food um, it can make you feel good or bad by eating good or bad food, that's the same thing with the fitness. Like, you don't go to work out, you don't, like, go to lift weights, then you're a bad girl or you're a bad boy. But if you do go, then you are good that day. And so you have emotions that determine, that are, are conditional of how you feel about yourself. Because if you went, then you feel good about yourself and you allow yourself to feel good about yourself. So if you don't go, right, or if you eat the bad food, the cheat meals or whatever, you feel bad about yourself. And And in my... Uh, in my in my perspective and in, in the way I think that it, it's going, I have hope. I have a lot of hope that soon enough innovators will say, you know, this isn't serving the world. Let's mm-hmm. stop. But I'm not relying on that either. I understand there's a very big possibility that we're going to have, you know, a thousand more health apps, you know, in, just within the next year. So knowing that's a possibility the biggest thing that I can tell for people is to, um, it's hard in this world, but just disconnect yourself from technology as much as you can. Like, it's not the most fun idea, it's not the sexiest idea, but 
I think that people were really happy when they lived a simple lifestyle. And there are still cultures and countries where you live very simply and very minimalistic and they're happy and they're thriving and they're in touch with their bodies and nature and people and their food because no one's telling them left and right what to eat. So it's hard to be in this world and not be in this world, but it's possible. It's definitely possible, especially if you have the spirituality side of things down and you're in touch with just your purpose. And if you're emotionally responsible and um, you can be mature enough about taking hold of your life, then I say don't get those, you know, if that iPhone is, is a trigger for you, don't go the iPhone route, don't support that. Um, these apps, just don't download them. And if you really want to download them, just throw your phone across the room and break <laughs> it. Like, do what you can to not put yourself in a compromising situation. And then, as I said earlier, another part of this uh, equation, the other side of the coin, is to start creating your definitions now and speaking up about them. And don't be afraid of speaking, to speak up because, like, even like I do it all the time. Like I've I've even been on dates where people will talk, start talking about what fitness means to them, and I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. And I and I always start it with I respect that, and I'm glad you could share that with me. Now, here's my idea of fitness. You know, I think it means to thrive in your nature and your being. You know, not dependent on what anyone else is doing, and to feel good and to eat food that's nourishing to your body. Blah 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 blah, and you know mm-hmm. I I basically just make it very clear. We talked about here. Yeah, yeah. I make it very clear, and, and I try to make it short, you know, so they they can stay awake and their eyes don't glaze over. <laughs> but I do make it clear that it's not leanness, and um, it's not based on any numbers. So if the rest of the world is saying like your health is dependent on numbers, yeah, it is hard to just say no, it's not. But if you believe that, start speaking up about it, and then these things become so small and they really don't, they don't take control over your life at all. And they're easy to overlook and to just move on past because you know, that's not true. And you're confident in the belief that that's not true. And you know what health really means for you. And, um, just coming to terms that, yeah, maybe the rest of the world isn't really going to be on board with this, but you don't need the rest of the world to be because that's why you're here on this earth. You're here to shine and to show people what it means to be a thriving human being. Yeah, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And there's I keep saying that this this podcast, but it's true. Um, just a few things I want to add to that. The the first thing is people listening to this conversation. Madeline and I both went through this, and there's a certain level of you have to be ready to hear what we're saying. And there might be people who have even stopped listening, or you know aren't wanting to hear this message like oh my god I can't listen anymore of what these girls are saying they're gonna just make me fat you know and they just they just don't want to hear it and you have to be ready you have to hit that bottom and you have to really say like no there's a better way I'm done I'm done and you know and and Maddie didn't even get into this but she even had an experience where she was done and then got back into it and then was really done you know I mean it's it's really like you have to just be over it and be like all right there's another way I don't have to live my life like this and it takes time it's like I've said it to a client in the way of like pretend you're on a makeover like pretend like you're 
putting a face mask on your face and it's green and gooey and you look really scary and bad for a minute because you're going through this process. But at the end, your skin comes out even fresher and, and more beautiful than it was before. And that's kind of how this process goes. You know, it's scary and it might even get worse before it gets better. But at the end, you're in a better spot than you even started. And nothing, it, the, the love and the happiness that you have is higher than before because it's not conditional like it was before. And that's, that's a really groovy place to be. And, you know, the other thing, especially with dating, like what you said there about like putting it all out on the table and like explaining your beliefs and saying where you are and stating that to this new person, you know, and, and I struggle with this too of like, when do you really do that? But it's, um, it's something that you have to do. And I think pretty early on, and maybe we do a whole nother podcast just on this whole dating element, you and me, Maddie. But, um, but I think the, the whole piece to that is really, I don't even – those people who are so stuck in that mindset of health looking one way and, and really judging the body, like, they're not even in the pool for me, right? Like, they're not even options because that's not the way I want to live, right? I don't want to be mm-hmm. judged in that way. And so I think when you can kind of rule out those those types of people, um, it's helpful. So anyways, just some, some kind of food for thought there and – I just, I'm obsessed with everything you shared. And I just think this was such a transformational conversation. And um, I want to wrap with quick fire questions, but I just think you're really cool. And thank you. <laughs> thank you. You can find me at um, maddymoon.com. And that's M A D D Y, maddymoon.com. And I want to invite everyone to get some more self love tips and insight um, over there because you can get my, my book. How to Love Your Body Again, and in that there are 10 super easy, simple steps you can start implementing into your life to loving your body even more. So that's absolutely free, and you can get that on my site. And then the other thing that I would just love to plug in here is that I just published my first book, which is really, really exciting. And Yeah, I'm so excited. It's pretty much everything we talked about today. It's uh, called The Perfection Myth, and it's how to break the chains of dogmatic beliefs between, like, the health and dieting um, scene. So if you want to learn how to stop believing in perfection and to start loving your body even more so and um, get a lot more insight on the fitness industry that I even experienced, then you can head on over there to Amazon. I'm sure you can have a link in the show notes for this. Absolutely. Yeah, so check out my new book. It's, I'm really excited for Kindle. It's like a dollar, so um, get that. And that's that's pretty much all I have to say about myself. You know, I'm really hope to connect with some of your listeners. And thank you so much for having me on here. Yeah. So if you are interested in taking this uh, the next step further, I would love to invite you to get um, to sign up for four weeks to body freedom it's a four week course on my website if you go to mind body musings oh I'm sorry <laughs> if you go to maddiemoon.com uh, slash body dash we'll have the link we'll just have the link in the okay. show notes <laughs> okay because yeah that's not my I just changed my domain uh, today so I'm still getting used to saying maddiemoon.com yeah I'm super excited but um, if you go over there then you can um, check out four weeks to body freedom. It's a really exciting course where I'll lead you through step-by-step step, every single week the insights that I teach my own clients on how to create unconditional 
body freedom by first creating body respect and food freedom. So in there we go over everything from creating a fitness routine that works for you to um, metabolism damage and how to rebuild your um, your metabolism and lots of that fun stuff. So I would love for you to sign up if you're um, interested in it. And that's that's pretty much it with programs. Cool. cool. Um, all right, let's wrap with some quick fire questions. You ready for them? Ready. Favorite color? Uh, brown. Favorite day of the week? Oh, Thursday. Favorite hour of the day? Uh, probably six in the morning. And that's a perfect segue to my next question. How do you start your day and what are like the first three things you do in the morning and how does that affect how the rest of your day goes? Probably I would have to say coffee, uh, emails, CrossFit. And it's a really great routine because I love the taste of coffee. I'm not dependent on it, but I do love it. And emails really excite me because I'm a nerd because I never know what I'm going to read. And then <laughs> CrossFit because it really fuels me and makes me feel empowered for the whole day. Nice. And then how do you wind down in the evening? Mm, right, wind down in the evening normally by um, – man, I go to bed so early. I go to bed around like 9.30. So normally I watch one of my favorite shows or a movie or something and then I just – um, shower and then hit the hay. What are your favorite shows? Oh man, that's so tough. I have so many. Um, I think my favorite shows are probably, uh, I love Mad Men and so good. Uh, I do love, um, Breaking Bad. That's, it's over now, but that was one of my favorite shows and Parenthood, but that just ended of course. Oh, I used to watch that with my mom. It's so good. And it's all over, but it was so amazing. I got to watch the end then. Yeah, Um, we do. Yeah. Favorite vegetable? Oh my gosh, carrots. Soft carrots, boiled, steamed, sauteed, any kind of carrot. Carrots are so good. Favorite <laughs> fruit? Um, probably mango. Favorite part of being an entrepreneur? Oh my gosh. That's the toughest one. Favorite part about being an entrepreneur is being able to determine um, the course of my life. It's really powerful. Best thing you've eaten recently, like in the last week? Mm, best thing I've eaten? Well, uh, probably uh, apple chicken sausage. I just ate one, so I was just thinking about it. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, scenario. It's it's 8 p.m. You've had a long day. You're tired. Or maybe it's earlier than that. But you get home and you're starving. What do you make slash eat? What's your kind of staple thing you can eat quickly? I absolutely love... Greek yogurt, full-fat, delicious Greek yogurt with um, some honey or stevia, um, blueberries, a tablespoon of sun butter, sunflower seed butter, and I like to put in some cereal because it gives it that awesome crunch. And it's like just the – then I put it back in the fridge for about five minutes, and then I eat it all, and it's awesome. That sounds delicious. (laughs) What's your – What's your favorite vacation they've ever taken? Oh, favorite vacation. Oh, I think I'm going to have to say, that's really tough. I'm going to say Kauai because, I mean, it was just unbelievable. And it was the first time that I went on a trip that I was really 
um, independent and it was two weeks long and I saw the Nepali coastline and snorkeled and saw dolphins and whales which made me burst out in tears because it was so amazing <laughs> I want to yeah. go with you next time that sounds amazing. oh definitely um what if you could have a superhero power for a day what would it be I'd breathe underwater because I want to go back down there but I want to stay down there forever cool <laughs> but I've never gotten that one before that's really cool um Okay, last question, signature question. So as you know, the name of this podcast and my blog is The Wellness Wonderland. So when I offer that term to you, Maddie, to live in a wellness wonderland, what comes up? What does that mean to you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think to be in wonderland means to be in a world that – um, lacks the pressure of being perfect because mm. once you can take off that pressure of being perfect, then it becomes so simple. You are yourself through and through. You're just you, and it's amazing. And I think that Wonderland, as perfect as Wonderland sounds, like it sounds like a perfect place, our imperfections make it perfect. And being able to take away like the subjectiveness of perfection and meeting up to everybody else's standards, just be yourself and... Um, thrive in what makes you feel good and, and understand that health to you may be different from every single other person on this planet earth and just own up to that and, and own it and love it and, and thrive in your own version of health. Wow. All right. I definitely don't say this every time. The listeners can attest to that, but that was my favorite definition of Wonderland. I think probably because we're so aligned in, in our missions, but yeah, that's, you said it right there. I need to trademark that. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much, Maddie. This was a blast. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, girl. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week. But until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Jailbow, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook. So we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.